Does it matter where you worship God? Does it matter what you wear to church? Is there a second chance after death for people to hear and accept the gospel? Does God dwell in the heart of the righteous? The Book of Mormon says yes, but the Doctrine and Covenants says no. Hi, Max here. Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast. This review covers the lesson plan for Alma chapters 32-35. Please subscribe to be notified of our upcoming videos. For the sake of time, I will not cite all the parallel phrases and words from the New Testament that are in the Book of Mormon text. While it can be argued that some of the parallels are coincidental, most are so strong that it is impossible to not conclude that their true source is from the King James Bible. For a complete transcript of this lesson, please click on the link in the description below. In our last lesson, Mormon told us about Alma and his dream team of missionary companions who traveled to the land of Antionum where the Zoramites lived. The Zoramites were Nephite descenders that lived near the border of the Lamanites. They believed differently than those in the church Alma established in the land of Zarahemla. They worshipped dumb idols and prayed on their holy stand called the Ramiumptum once a week in their synagogues. They believed they were the elect people of God, but denied a belief in a Christ. Alma 32 verse 1 Alma and his companions wanted to share the truth with him, so they began entering their synagogues, their houses, and held street meetings. The phrase, quote, preach the word, is in Acts 16.6. The word behold is used 29 times in this chapter, and the word yea is used 19 times. But the phrase, and it came to pass, was only used twice, which I think might be a record. Alma 32 verse 2. And it came to pass that after much labor among them, they began to have success among the poor class of people, for behold, they were cast out of the synagogues because of the coarseness of their apparel. Have you ever attended a church where everyone is dressed in their Sunday's best, white shirt and tie, even a suit for men and a pretty dress for the women? Because you were dressed in jeans and a t-shirt, did you feel out of place? Did you get looks from others and hear comments under their breath? Did you feel like you were not welcome unless you dressed like they did? Did it make you feel like you did not fit in with that congregation? Perhaps you were even told you were underdressed for that church service and they asked you to leave. That does happen in some churches today. And heaven forbid you smell of cigarette smoke or alcohol or coffee. Alma 32 verse 3. That was the condition of the poor class of the Zoramites then. They were considered dross or scum. But Mormon here does say they were poor in heart. In other words, they were humble. Alma 32 verse 4. While Alma was teaching on the hill of Oneida, a multitude of these poor Zoramites came to hear him. Alma 32 verse 5. And they came unto Alma, and the one who was the foremost among them said unto him, Behold, what shall these my brethren do? For they are despised of all men because of their poverty, yea, and more especially by our priests. For they have cast us out of our synagogues, which we have labored abundantly to build with our own hands, and they have cast us out because of our exceeding poverty, and we have no place to worship our God. And behold, what shall we do? In verse 6, Alma was happy that their affliction had humbled them, and they were now prepared to hear the word. In verse 8, the phrase, quote, lowly in heart, is from Matthew 11.29. Alma 32, verses 10-11. through 11. Behold, I say unto you, Do ye suppose that ye cannot worship God, save it be in your synagogues only? 
And moreover, I would ask, do ye suppose that ye must not worship God only once in a week? At the time of writing this Come Follow Me episode, the world is in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. For a few months, public places, including churches, have been closed, and people stay at home as much as possible. This has forced parishioners and church members to worship in the confines of their homes and apartments. Perhaps, as Alma teaches here, worshiping God can be done anywhere as an individual or in groups. Churches are brick-and-mortar buildings, and really not necessary for worshiping God. You can find God anywhere and everywhere. God is not confined to churches or temples or synagogues. Alma 32, verse 12. He tells them that their circumstances have humbled them. In verses 13 through 16, Alma goes on to tell them that being compelled to be humbled is good if it results in repentance. But it is more blessed to be humble because of the word, not because of compulsion to believe. Alma 32, 13. The phrase, quote, compelled to be, is in Galatians 2, 3. And, quote, the same shall be saved, is in Mark 13, 13. Alma 32, 14, the words, quote, as I said unto you, are in John 10.26. Alma 32.15, the phrase, quote, endure to the end, is in Matthew 10.22. Alma 32.17, he now transitions into the topic of faith. He throws a little reference to the deceased Korahor by explaining the difference between faith and proof. Yea, there are many who do say, If thou wilt show unto us a sign from heaven, then we shall know of a surety, then we shall believe. The phrase, quote, a sign from heaven, is from Matthew 16.1. Alma 32.18. Now I ask, is this faith? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. For if a man knoweth a thing, he hath no cause to believe, for he knoweth it. In verse 19, Alma is going to give a lesson on knowledge and accountability. And now, how much more cursed is he that knoweth the will of God, and doeth it not, than he that only believeth, or only hath cause to believe, and falleth into transgression. The words, quote, he that knoweth, are in 1 John 4, 6, and, quote, the will of God, and, are in Romans 15, 32, and, quote, doth it not, in James 4, 17. Alma 32, 21. Alma is going to teach how to develop strong and lasting faith. And now, as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if ye have faith, ye hope for things which are not seen, which are true. Sounds like the definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. The words, quote, concerning faith are in 1 Timothy 1.19, and, quote, perfect knowledge of are in Acts 24.22, and, quote, if ye have faith are in Matthew 17.20. In the 1830 edition, page 315, it read, quote, Ye hope for things which is not seen, which are true, end quote. In later editions, is was changed to are. Alma 32.22 In the first place, God desires that they would believe. The phrase, quote, believe on his name, is from John 1.12. Alma 32.23 They need to have childlike faith. The words, quote, confound the wise, are in 1 Corinthians 1.27. Alma 32.25 Alma believes there are some poor people who would humble themselves regardless of their circumstances. Alma 32.26 Now, as I said concerning faith, that it was not a perfect knowledge, even so it is with my words. Ye cannot know of their surety at first unto perfection any more than faith is a perfect knowledge. 
In other words, you might not believe what I say at first, but you will just have to have faith in them. In verse 27, Alma asked them to experiment upon my words and exercise a particle of faith. Alma 32:28. Now we will compare the word unto a seed. Now if ye give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if ye do not cast it out by your unbelief that ye will resist the Spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts, and when you feel these swelling motions, ye will begin to say within yourselves, It must needs be that this is a good seed, or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. A swelling in your breast is described as a warm, fuzzy feeling that the LDS receive. They also call it the burning in the bosom. I'm sure it is the same for Muslims who read the Quran. It can be referred to as elevation emotion. We have five episodes talking about this. Links are in the description below. We should be careful not to rely on our feelings and emotions in discerning truth. Feelings are subjective, not objective. Emma 32.29 Now behold, would not this increase your faith? I say unto you, yea, nevertheless it hath not grown up to a perfect knowledge. You just have to give it time. In verses 30-31, Alma says, as the seed begins to swell and sprout and grow, it will strengthen their faith. Alma 32.30 And now, behold, will not this strengthen your faith? Yea, it will strengthen your faith. For ye will say, I know that this is a good seed. For behold, it sprouteth and beginneth to grow. This entire passage did not exist in the 1830 edition. It was later added to our current edition of the Book of Mormon. In verses 32-33, all of these feelings indicate that the seed is good for you. Alma 32-34 And now, behold, is your knowledge perfect? Yea, your knowledge is perfect in that thing, and your faith is dormant, and this because you know. For ye know that the word hath swelled your souls, and ye also know that it hath sprouted up, that your understanding doth begin to be enlightened, and your mind doth begin to expand. He is saying they have definite knowledge rather than faith. Alma 32.35 Oh, then, is not this real? I say unto you, Yea, because it is light. And whatsoever is light is good, because it is discernible. Therefore ye must know that it is good. And now, behold, after ye have tasted this light, is your knowledge perfect? In verse 36, your knowledge is not perfect. You are just getting a good start at this point. I'm a 32:37. And behold, as the tree beginneth to grow, ye will say, Let us nourish it with great care, that it may get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit unto us. And now behold, if ye nourish it with much care, it will get root and grow up and bring forth fruit. The phrase, quote, may grow up, is in Ephesians 4:15, and quote, and bring forth fruit is from John 15:16. In the Book of Mormon, there are three trees mentioned and taught about, showing the development of Nephite theology. Lehi's tree of life in 1 Nephi 8, representing the love of God. Zenos's olive tree allegory in Jacob 5, representing the house of Israel. And Alma's tree of personal righteousness in Alma 5 and here in Alma 32. In verse 38-40, Alma tells them that if they neglect the tree of personal righteousness and fail to nourish it, it will not take root, 
and will die in the heat of the sun. It was not because the seed was not good. It was because the word was not nourished. In verse 38, this verse is taken from Matthew 13, 6. I'm with 32:41. But if ye will nourish the word, yea, nourish the tree as it beginneth to grow by your faith, with great diligence and with patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root, and behold, it shall be a tree springing up unto everlasting life. The last part of that sentence is taken from John 4:14. 4, Alma 32:42. And because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word in nourishing it, that it may take root in you, behold, by and by ye shall pluck the fruit thereof, which is most precious, which is sweet above all that is sweet, and which is white above all that is white, yea, and pure above all that is pure. And ye shall feast upon this fruit, even until ye are filled, that ye hunger not, neither shall ye thirst. This is Lehi's description of the tree of life in 1 Nephi 8, 10-12. White is always superior in the Book of Mormon. Alma 32:43. Then, my brethren, ye shall reap the rewards of your faith and your diligence and patience and long-suffering, waiting for the tree to bring forth fruit unto you. Alma 33. In this chapter, the word yea will be used 19 times. Yay! Alma 33.1 Now after Alma had spoken these words, they sent forth unto him desiring to know whether they should believe in one God that they might obtain this fruit of which he had spoken, or how they should plant the seed or the word of which he had spoken, which he said must be planted in their hearts, or in what manner they should begin to exercise their faith. These poor humble Zoramites were asking questions about how to worship correctly. In verse 2, Alma tells them that they ought to be searching the scriptures. But how can they do this? Do each of these impoverished individuals have a copy of the metal plates from which to study? Think of the practicality of this idea. Can these poor people even read? The phrase, quote, search the scriptures is taken from John 5.39 and, quote, you do not understand, is from Matthew 16, 11. Alma 33, verse 3. Do ye remember to have read what Zenos the prophet of old has said concerning prayer or worship? Alma 33, 4 through 11. Alma quotes Zenos here to emphasize the importance of prayer anytime, anywhere. In verses 12 through 14, Alma wants to know if the people believe Zenos has written in the scriptures. How could they possibly not believe in Jesus if they had read the scriptures. However, Jesus does not exist yet since this chapter was written about 74 BC. Zenos is perhaps best known for his allegory of the tame and wild olive tree, which Jacob quoted in Jacob chapter 5. According to the Book of Mormon, Zenos is an Old Testament prophet whose writings were later removed from the Bible by the Catholic Church. Alma 33.12 The phrase, quote, By them of old, is from Matthew 5.21, Alma 33.15. For it is not written that Zenos alone spake of these things, but Zenoch also spake of these things. And who is Zenoch? He is an Old Testament prophet, not found or mentioned in the Bible. Zenoch was mentioned earlier in 1 Nephi 19.10. These two prophets, Zenos and Zenoch, whose names sound like mystical gods, are not mentioned anywhere else other than the Book of Mormon. We have an episode on this called The Lost Books. Check out the links below. While people are quick to assert that certain mentioned books, teachings, or writings, not including the Old or New Testaments, 
are proof that the Bible is incomplete, they fail to apply the same standard to the Book of Mormon, which has no less than ten sources cited that are not included in the text. These consist of the Book of Lehi, the Plates of Laban, the Prophecies of Zenoch, the Prophecies of Nehem, the Prophecies of Zenus, Teachings of Benjamin, Teachings of Alma, Words of Amulek, Words of Alma, Teachings of Helaman, and the Writings of the Brother of Jared. Are we to argue that the Book of Mormon is incomplete because these are not included? I doubt any Latter-day Saint would accept that argument. Alma 33.16 Alma's supposed quote here from Zenus is found nowhere in the Book of Mormon or the Bible. It pretty much just says that God got angry because the people did not understand that his son bestowed mercies upon them. In verse 19, Alma tries to bolster his claim concerning the Son of God by giving them the example of Moses. Behold, he was spoken of by Moses. Yea, and behold, a type was raised up in the wilderness that whosoever would look upon it might live, and many did look and live. This is referring to the brass serpent on a pole, symbolic of the Savior and his atonement. See Numbers 21, verses 6 through 9. Alma 33, 20. But few understood the meaning of those things, and this because of the hardness of their hearts. But there were many who were so hardened that they would not look, therefore they perished. Now the reason they would not look is because they did not believe that it would heal them. Alma 33.21 Alma is basically telling the Zoramites that it is simple to plant the seed of faith, but because of the lack of faith, many people will not do it. Alma 33.22 This verse is entirely anachronistic. If so, woe shall come upon you. But if not so, then cast about your eyes and begin to believe in the Son of God, that he will come to redeem his people, and that he shall suffer and die to atone for their sins, and that he shall rise again from the dead, which shall bring to pass the resurrection, that all men shall stand before him to be judged at the last and judgment day according to their works. The phrase, quote, he shall rise again, is taken from Matthew 20:19, Alma 33:23. Alma now summarizes his answer to the question they ask in verse 1 of this chapter about how they obtain the fruit of the tree. And now, my brethren, I desire that ye shall plant this word in your hearts, and as it beginneth to swell, even so nourish it by your faith. And behold, it will become a tree springing up in you unto everlasting life. And then may God grant unto you that your burdens may be light through the joy of his Son. And even all this can ye do if ye will. Amen. Alma 34.1 After Alma spoke these things, it was Amulek's turn to preach. Verse 2 My brethren, I think that it is impossible that ye should be ignorant of the things which have been spoken concerning the coming of Christ, who is taught by us to be the Son of God. Yea, I know that these things were taught unto you bountifully before your dissension from among us. Zoramites were members of the church who had apostatized. But Amulek asked, how could they forget what they once believed? The phrase, quote, it is impossible, is in Mark 10.27, and, quote, that ye should be ignorant of, is in Romans 11.25. In verses 5-6, through six, Amulek tells them there will be a Christ, and the only way to be saved is through him. Alma 34.8, Amulek adds his own witness to that of Alma, Zenos, Zenoch, and Moses. And now, behold, I will testify unto you of myself that these things are true. 
Behold, I say unto you, that I do know that Christ shall come among the children of men, to take upon him the transgressions of his people, and that he shall atone for the sins of the world, for the Lord God hath spoken it. The phrase, quote, testify unto you, is in Revelation 22.16, and, quote, the sins of the world are from John 1.29, Alma 34, verse 9. For it is expedient that an atonement should be made. For according to the great plan of the eternal God, there must be an atonement made, or else all mankind must unavoidably perish. Yea, all are hardened, yea, all are fallen and are lost, and must perish except it be through the atonement which it is expedient should be made. Remember, the Book of Mormon calls the eternal God Jesus Christ. Alma 34.10 For it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice. Yea, not a sacrifice of man, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl. For it shall not be a human sacrifice, but it must be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. The sacrifice of a God? Interesting that the Book of Mormon does not mention the Nephites making animal sacrifices under the law of Moses. The words, quote, it is expedient, are in John 11.50. Alma 34, 11-12. Amalek talks a little here about atoning for murder. In verse 11, the words, quote, his own blood, are in Acts 20, verse 28. Alma 34.13. Therefore it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, and then shall there be, or it is expedient there should be, a stop to the shedding of blood. Then shall the law of Moses be fulfilled. Yea, it shall be all fulfilled, every jot and tittle, and none shall have passed away. There is not one bit of the law of Moses that will not have been fulfilled by Christ. In verses 14 through 17, Amulek summarizes the purpose of the law of Moses and makes reference to both the law of mercy and the law of justice. In verses 18 through 29, Amulek gives a passionate appeal to the Zoramites to pray in all places and at all times, being certain to accompany their prayers with caring for the needy, naked, sick, and afflicted, lest their prayer reveal them to be hypocrites. Their prayer words may say that they have faith in Christ, but their actions could state otherwise. Alma 34.19, the words, quote, continue in prayer are in Colossians 4.2. Alma 34.23, the words, all righteousness, are in Matthew 3.15. Alma 34.29, the phrase, trodden underfoot of men, is from Matthew 5.13. Alma 34.30-31. And now, my brethren, I would that after ye have received so many witnesses, seeing that the Holy Scriptures testify of these things, ye come forth and bring fruit unto repentance. Yea, I would that ye would come forth and harden not your hearts any longer. For behold, now is the time and the day of your salvation. And therefore, if ye will repent and harden not your hearts, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. Emma 34.32, we now read verses which are often quoted in the LDS Church. For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. Latter-day Saints believe that those who did not have the opportunity to hear the Mormon gospel on earth will be taught it in the spirit world, and depending on whether they accept it or reject it, they may also come forth in the first resurrection. The problem is that Alma 34 verses 33-35 teaches that there is only this life to repent and forsake all sins if there is ever a hope to reach the celestial kingdom. 
So, you see, the Book of Mormon does not teach what the modern LDS Church teaches about repentance after death. Today's modern Mormonism teaches that the gospel will be preached to those in the spirit world, and there will be many conversions after this life. See Doctrine and Covenants section 138. While baptism for the dead is being performed on earth in LDS temples for those who choose in the spirit world to repent and accept the Mormon gospel. Alma 34.33, remember these remarks are addressed to the Zoramites who have already been taught the message and apostatized from it. They are getting another chance to receive the gospel here on earth before it is too late. And now, as I said unto you before, as ye have had so many witnesses, therefore I beseech of you that ye do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end. For after this day of life which is given us to prepare for eternity, behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. The key words from this verse are improve and labor performed. This is centered on a works-based, performance-based religious philosophy that expects people to improve themselves in the process of eternally progressing towards Godhood. The words, quote, as I said unto you, are in John 10.26, and, quote, then cometh the, are in 1 Corinthians 15.24. He teaches that there can be no labor performed. Alma does not mention the ordinance of baptism for the dead. Yet the LDS practice of baptism for the dead is performed six days a week in LDS temples around the world. It is called work for the dead, which is a contradiction with Alma's teaching that there can be no labor performed. Work and labor are synonymous. We have two episodes on baptism for the dead. Check out the links in the description below. Alma 34, 34-35 Next, Amulek teaches that people remain basically the same upon dying as they were on earth. Nothing changes after death. Ye cannot say, when ye are brought to that awful crisis, that I will repent, that I will return to my God. Nay, ye cannot say this. For that same Spirit which doth possess your bodies at the time that ye go out of this life, that same Spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. For behold, if ye have procrastinated the day of your repentance even until death, Behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore the Spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you, and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you, and this is the final state of the wicked. The phrase, quote, hath no place in you, is from John 8.37. There is so much to consider in this passage. This teaching is supported by Amulek and Alma's teaching back in Alma 12.16-17 which directly contradicts the LDS spirit prison doctrine and second chance given for accepting Mormon doctrine. Alma 34.32-35 clearly teaches that it is impossible to repent in the afterlife. The words, this life, appears five times. Alma 42.13 adds that, quote, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance of men in this probationary state. This probationary state means this mortal life. How does a Latter-day Saint reconcile second-chance teachings in the spirit world with these Book of Mormon passages? Even if it is believed that repentance is possible after death, all Mormons agree that repentance in the next life is even harder than in this life. What do you even call something that is harder than impossible? What does the Bible teach about redeeming the dead? Does the Bible teach that people who did not accept the gospel prior to death 
will have a second chance to get saved after they die? No. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, quote, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. End quote. Then, in answer to work for the dead, Psalms 49.7 warns, quote, None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. End quote. What does it mean that the devil doth seal you his? Well, it says the devil hath all power over you. If there is any group of people who talk about sealing, it is the Latter-day Saints. They know what it means to be sealed to their family. What does it mean to be sealed to the devil? It is over for you. The verse says, quote, This is the final state of the wicked. End quote. If you are sealed to the devil because you did not accept the Mormon gospel, do you go to the telestial kingdom or to outer darkness with the devil? Alma 34.36 And this I know, because the Lord hath said, He dwelleth not in unholy temples, but in the hearts of the righteous doth he dwell. Yea, and he has also said, that the righteous shall sit down in his kingdom to go no more out, but their garments should be made white through the blood of the Lamb. The words, quote, through the blood of, are in Colossians 1.20. Amulek says, quote, Because the Lord hath said, He dwelleth not in unholy temples, but in the hearts of the righteous doth he dwell. End quote. In contradiction, Joseph Smith says in Doctrine and Covenants 130 verse 3, quote, The idea that the Father and the Son dwell in a man's heart is an old sectarian notion and is false. End quote. So, does God dwell in the hearts of the righteous? The Book of Mormon says yes, but the Doctrine and Covenants says no. Alma 34, 37-38 and now, my beloved brethren, I desire that ye should remember these things, and that ye should work out your salvation with fear before God, and that ye should no more deny the coming of Christ, that ye contend no more against the Holy Ghost, but that ye receive it, and take upon you the name of Christ, that ye humble yourselves even to the dust, and worship God in whatsoever place ye may be in, in spirit and in truth, and that ye live in thanksgiving daily for the many mercies and blessings which he doth bestow upon you. The phrase, quote, against the Holy Ghost is in Mark 3.29, and, quote, the name of Christ is in 1 Peter 4.14. The Christian concept of the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, was not developed until after Jesus' mortal ministry. In Judaism, the Holy Spirit alluded only to God's energy in the Old Testament. For Amulek to teach about the Holy Ghost in this verse is just another anachronism. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus and then bestowed upon the believers for the first time on the day of Pentecost. See Luke 24:49 and Acts 2, 1-4. The Book of Mormon, however, describes people receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit here as early as 545 B.C. in 2 Nephi 31, 12-13. Alma 34, verses 39-41 Amulek concludes his message by exhorting the people to pray continually and to have patience with those who treat them badly because of their poverty. Have hope that one day they will be able to rest from their afflictions. Alma 34.41 The words, quote, have patience, are in Matthew 18.29. Alma 35 verses 1-2 through two. After Alma and Amulek and the rest of the missionaries finish up their teachings among the Zoramites, they all travel to the land of Jershon. Alma 35 verse 3, apparently the rest of the Zoramites heard about the missionary's message and they were angry because it destroyed their craft. Remember their priestcraft, 
which was teaching for wealth. In verses 4 through 7, their rulers and their priests and teachers cleverly conducted a survey among the people to identify who were in favor of the words of Alma and his companions. Those who believed were cast out of the land and went over to Jershon, home of the people of Ammon, where Alma and his brethren ministered to them. Alma 35 verse 8 But the Zoramites were not too happy that their exiled citizens were so quickly being welcomed into the Ammonite society. Verse 9 They demanded that the people of Ammon cast the refugees out, but the Ammonites ignored their threats. Verse 10 The Zoramites stirred up their Lamanite neighbors to anger against the Ammonites. Alma 35 verse 11 And thus the Zoramites and the Lamanites began to make preparations for war against the people of Ammon and also against the Nephites. Remember, the Nephites had made a promise to defend their Ammonites, or anti-Nephi-Lehi's, because they had made a covenant never to take up weapons again. Alma 35 verses 12-13 And thus ended the seventeenth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And the people of Ammon departed out of the land of Jershon, and came over into the land of Melech, and gave place in the land of Jershon for the armies of the Nephites, that they might contend with the armies of the Lamanites and the armies of the Zoramites. And thus commenced a war betwixt the Lamanites and the Nephites in the eighteenth year of the reign of the judges, and an account shall be given of their wars hereafter. Because of the impending battle, the Ammonites relocated to make room for the Nephite armies. The record of these wars begins in Alma chapter 43 and continues till the end of the book of Alma. In verse 14, Alma and his companions returned to Zarahemla as successful return missionaries. Sure, they started a war, but they also converted a bunch of Zoramites. The newly converted Zoramites will also take up arms to defend their families. In verses 15 through 16, Alma grieved over all the wars and bloodshed, and how hard the hearts of the people were that they tried to teach. Therefore, he decided to give to each of his sons charge concerning the things pertaining to righteousness, complete with commandments and everything. Alma 35 verse 15. The 1830 edition, page 323, has the word A-M-O-G, which was changed in later editions to the correct spelling of among. This concludes our study for today. Please subscribe so you won't miss any of our future episodes. You can also catch us on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Or you can go to our website at talkingtomormons.com where you can download this script and learn much more. Remember, Jesus is enough. God bless.